conscious entrepreneurship starts with creating a product that's going to benefit everybody involved. For anyone who's ever read Eat, Pray, Love, in that book, the woman goes off to India and, and spends time with this guru. And that guru is actually a real life person. Her name is Guru Mai Chifalasananda. And my parents were devotees of hers. And from before I was born, they ran a meditation center in our home. What cacao? I mean, like you're just having chocolate milk or what? I was confused. And so I started reading about it a little bit and was kind of blown away when I started coming across bits of information, like it's the highest natural source of magnesium and super high in chromium and zinc, and that it has all these really interesting neurotransmitter compounds in it, like serotonin, which is like the happiness chemical, phenethylamine, which is known as the love bliss chemical. Adaptogens have the ability to modulate our biology, modulate our nervous system, so we don't suffer the negative effects of these external stressors and, and can become more balanced in spite of all these things happening externally. This is Sage Dammers, the co-founder, CEO, product formulator, and chocolatier of Addictive Wellness. Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. In today's episode, Sage and I cover so many topics. So if you're not yet familiar with Addictive Wellness, it is a chocolate brand that is paleo and keto friendly, that is sugar free, and that uses the highest quality adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to make it really functional. I know, I know, sounds like lots of buzzwords, really popular words in the wellness world. And that's why in today's podcast, we're really demystify adaptogens, how to work with them, whether you should even work with them at all. Sage has a lot of knowledge on the traditional herbal systems of indigenous cultures. He has personally worked with a lot of herbs and created a lot of products internationally, set up elixir bars all over the world from Australia to Bali, America, and France. And in this episode, we talk not just about adaptogens and elixirs, we also go deep into cacao and chocolate and the economic and the social impact that you can make by choosing consciously grown and made chocolate and how conventional chocolate is different from addictive wellness or another conscious chocolate brand or ceremonial cacao. As you know, I'm a big fan of We talk about his upbringing in a household that was all about meditation and chanting. Talk about conscious entrepreneurship and what that means to him and how addictive wellness gives back to various environmental organizations around the world. We talk about how Sage met his co-founder and partner in love and life, Ana Blanca, And it's a cool story. So if you're someone who wants to be expanded into the possibility of creating a life and a business with someone who you're truly aligned with on every level, definitely listen for that. We also end the conversation with Sage's story on healing his skin. And we talk about candida and what supplements and food regimen helped him really clear up his skin and maintain it. Disclaimer, this is not medical advice. Please do speak to your doctor, functional medicine doctor and nutritionist before implementing any of the advice shared on the show. 
But at the same time, I've got to tell you, Sage has some really, really brilliant tips that you're going to really enjoy. The most important one of them being that no one knows your body better than you do. And taking a moment to be present with whatever food or herb or chocolate that you're taking in and see how it resonates in your body is the most important nutritional advice you could possibly get. And if you haven't yet tried addictive wellness, then I highly recommend you check it out, especially if you are someone who wants to eat less sugar in your life, or maybe you're doing a cleanse, or maybe you're just fascinated with the power of adaptogens and herbs in one experience, its potent functional effects on your body, then go to addictivewellness.com, choose what speaks to you. I'm not going to tell you my favorite thing because I want you to intuitively choose the herbs that really speak to you and seem like will serve the best in your life. The one thing I will recommend though is the Addictive Wellness Focused Energy Matcha. So it's matcha powder that is mixed with lucuma, xylitol, tremella mushroom, astragalus, lion's mane. It's just such a potent and energizing elixir and the matcha is super high quality. You know how sometimes when matcha is mixed with other things, it might not be the best quality, but this one I can tell they sourced it with a lot of thought and it's sweet and it tastes so good. You just blend it with water, maybe with a tablespoon of coconut butter or you froth some milk and add it in there on top and it's super delicious. So when you shop on addictivewellness.com, use the code BREAKFASTCRIMINALS and you will get a nice discount. Remember to use it make it out now so that you don't miss out on that opportunity. And heads up, if you see me mentioning any products or sharing any brands I love, most of the time, you can try using the code Breakfast Criminals and you will get a special deal. It's one of the perks of running a media empire is that I'm just so blessed to have built so many connections with awesome founders and companies, and I'm able to get awesome deals to you as well. So enjoy this episode. And let me know what you think about the chocolate, if you get it, about the elixirs, and let me know what you think about the conversation and what speaks to you. Please take a screenshot and share it on Instagram and tag at Woke and Wired. All right, I am so excited to talk with you, Sage. You're one of those Instagram people that I've been talking to you, mostly Ana Blanca probably, <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. Over our love for chocolate. And I actually discovered Addictive Wellness first when I was working with Goddess Provisions, the subscription box, and Addictive Wellness was part of it. And then it just kept coming up and coming up, and my friend Hillary recommended it. And now I'm talking to you, and we'll see where the conversation takes us, but I'm particularly excited about talk about our mutual love for chocolate. Absolutely. I, I didn't realize you found us through Goddess Provisions. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, then there was Instagram. It's kind of, sometimes it's hard to track the first source, but with you, I specifically remember it was Addictive Wellness chocolate in the Goddess Provisions box. Yeah. And I, I, I have to tell you, I've really been enjoying all your Instagram stories. I love your tiny cabin adventures and the beautiful nature that you guys have there. It's I, I'm really living vicariously through you a lot. <laughs> so first of all, where are you based? I'm based in Los Angeles, in kind of the mid-Wilshire, West Hollywood kind of area. I, I grew up here in Southern California and then spent some years in Costa Rica and a year in Australia. 
quite a bit of time in Bali, but ended up back here. Mm. So you're the co-founder of Addictive Wellness, the chocolate brand, and the Elixir and Adaptogen brand. Yeah. What is it that you actually do on a day-to-day basis? It changes every day. You know, when you are a co-founder or a CEO of a, of a startup, you have to wear so many hats. So, you know, some days it'll be actually being in our production facility. And like over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I was all day in our production facility, actually making the chocolate. Other days, it's filming lots of content for YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and all of it. Tomorrow, I have a lot of accounting work lined up. Some days I'm calling retailers to check in and see how they're doing with the chocolate and see if they're ready for a reorder of something. It's, you know, sometimes I'm dealing with customer service and, and sometimes I'm in calls with our suppliers in, in South America and India and China. And so it's a lot of different stuff. So you never get bored. I love giving people a glimpse into what the day to day is like, because I feel like when we see entrepreneurs on Instagram, all you see is like the pretty stuff, you know, the rituals, the chocolate, the travels. But I think it's important to remember that every business has different things that need to be done. And not all of them is our main gift and purpose, but it's just stuff that needs to get done. And that's fine too. Absolutely. And you try to enjoy the variety of things, I think. And I try to show as much of it as I can on Instagram and and Instagram stories and things like that. But honestly, so much of it is just sitting there typing at the computer. There's so many, only so many Instagram stories you can post of yourself, you know, in sped up clips of you just sitting at the computer typing away. Yes. Okay. So before we start backtracking of all the things that led you where you are today, can you tell us more about what addictive wellness is and where it is today in terms of business in whatever terms you feel comfortable sharing? Oh, absolutely. So we launched nearly five years ago. So this December will be five years ago. And it was something that I kind of, as a, we'll go into the backstory a little bit. I I think you want to get into that a little bit later, but it was something that was for me kind of a hobby and a fun thing and something I would share these chocolates with my friends and just a way to kind of share health with people in in a fun way that, that they could actually enjoy. And over the years, I got better and better at making chocolate and I got better in my skills with herbs and and traditional herbal systems of indigenous cultures. And it eventually got to the point where it was like, okay, let's, you know, turn this into a company. And I was with Ana Blanca and we have an incredible synergy together. We're we're partners in business, but also partners in in love and everything we do together. And we make a great team in that I have a very different skill set than hers and our we kind of fit together in terms of our skill sets like two puzzle pieces. This we always joke like the stuff that I love doing. She doesn't have a clue of how to do the stuff that she's really good at. I can't stand doing. So we're very fortunate to have each other in that way to support one another. And we have, you know, continued to grow over the years. We're still, you know, definitely quite a a small business, but we're sold now in, in retailers across the country. We do a lot of online business. And I really enjoy that because of the way it allows you to develop such a close relationship with the customers and I, you know, I love getting emails from customers and being able to respond to it myself and connecting with people one-on-one over Instagram and all these ways of connecting more directly with people that, you know, in a business 20 or 30 years ago, you wouldn't have really ever had a chance to do. It's something I enjoy so much. So I know that for a lot of listeners, this is a question I get a lot. So I want to just ask this in service to all the people asking themselves, what is the story of you and Ana Blanca and how you guys met? And 
at what point did you start working together? Because it's one thing to be partners in love and life, but it's a whole other undertaking to also do business together full time. Absolutely. So we first met, let's see, October, 2011. I had just moved back from Australia. I had been living there and working for a health food company doing sales and product development. And there was a big event happening at the tonic bar here at Air One. And for those of you who don't know Air One, it, it's like the absolute epitome of high quality health food store. And it's it's kind of a, the center of a whole social scene here in Los Angeles. And it's been there since like the 60s or the 70s. And it's, it's just pulls all these amazing people together. And there was an event there. And I walked in, I was kind of a bit late. And they have this what's called the tonic bar at Air One, where they specialize in, in serving the most delicious drinks and foods and all kinds of stuff, but packed with the best quality superfoods and Chinese and Ayurvedic herbs. And so that's what's kind of the center of the event there. And I walked up to the bar and I saw this really beautiful woman and I just said, okay, I got, I got to go say hello. I can't just like walk away. I got to go say something to her. And so one of the real popular tonic bar drinks at the time was it was called a Jing City. It was one of the drinks that was packed with the most beneficial herbs for adrenal health. And so I walked up next to her at the bar and I said, oh, is that a Jing City you're drinking? And she just turns over and looks at me and says, how old are you? Because we do, we do have a little bit of an age difference. And I looked at her and I just said, I'm ageless. And she started laughing a little bit. And then she says, no, come on, just, you know, humor me. How old are you? And I told her, oh, I'm 22. And she laughed at that. But, and, but then fortunately, we had some mutual friends who were sitting next to her that said, no, that's just Sage. He's cool. Don't worry. Like he's, he's a good guy. And we just became friends for about nine months. And I actually started working there at the Tonic Bar because I really wanted to learn that business model to try to do more things with it. And I figured the best way to, to learn that would be to actually start working there. And she was a regular there. She was coming in all the time. And I would just kind of flirt with her for the fun of it. She's just, just such a vibrant and bright and, and fun person to be around. And, 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 you know, just any, any experience with her is kind of a magical one. And she kind of, her flirting is just like her basic form of interaction with the world. So it was lots of fun, and, but nothing ever came of it. And then nine months later, one day she came in with a friend and they were going around like the nutrition section and trying on these different scented moisturizers. And they were going and talking to some different friends saying, oh, what do you think of this one? What do you think of this one? And they came up to me and I was behind the bar and she said, oh, this one's lemongrass. What do you think? And I said, I, I, I didn't even think. I, I just said back to her, well, I really don't really like lemongrass, but if you put on something mango scented, I'm yours in two seconds. And she like that, that like cracked through her armor and she got like a little bit flustered, which she very, very rarely gets. And she kind of retreated back out to the parking lot because she didn't really know what to do about this new situation. And within a couple of weeks, kind of, we had started to explore the experience of being more than just friends together. And that kind of progressed over the next six to nine months, I would say. And I ended up leaving the tonic bar and, and doing some other work setting up elixir bars in five-star hotels. I did one in, in Paris and then one in Sydney. And I was kind of trying to figure out what to do next. And we knew that we had so much synergy together, not just in a relationship, but kind of any, any project that we took on, kind of different passion projects. You know, one of the first things we did was really heavily campaigning against GMOs when, when there was the GMO labeling law coming up for vote here in California. You know, we were going out at four in the morning and hanging these big signs over the, the Pacific Coast Highway and over the 101 and zip tying them up and trying to 
do it super early in the morning so that they would, we would catch everybody during rush hour traffic. And we just, we had so many experiences like this that we operated so smoothly together. And one of the bases of our relationship from the beginning was super open and clear communication. We never let anything kind of fester. We never kind of sit on our emotions. We're always very open about how we're feeling, really careful to make sure there's no miscommunications happening. And that kind of enabled us to do so much together and to avoid challenges and and obstacles that would come up, you know, for a lot of other couples potentially trying to work together and doing our best, of course, to go into it with minimal ego and always be very open to feedback and, and ready to apologize if we did something wrong and trying to do everything we could to, you know, communicate really clearly and avoid misunderstandings. And I had kind of just been doing this chocolate as a kind of a a fun thing on the side. And occasionally I would have people that would pay me to make a batch of it for them for an event or something like that. And we were making a lot of it at home because Ana Blanca was crazy about it. I was having to really ramp up my production of this chocolate at home because she was just going through it nonstop because suddenly, you know, you go from have chocolate being quite expensive in, in, in for high quality chocolate in a store. And suddenly it was like free unlimited supply. <laughs> and it, I, that really, I, as I was making it more and more, I was getting like better and better at my skills. And she had done some previous work in, in the startup business space. And so we connected with a friend of hers who was kind of advising us a little bit. And it really felt like, okay, this could be ready to turn into a business. And, you know, we just operate so smoothly together in everything that we do. Let's give this a shot. And so, you know, we built the business plan together. We kind of got all the pieces in place and we just, we never ran into friction. So this was the first business you guys created together and it's a success. Yeah, absolutely. We're very fortunate, super grateful to have one another. As I said, our, our skill sets mesh so nicely together. So it's, it's such a blessing. So it's one thing to be doing chocolate casually, maybe some orders here and there, but it's a whole other undertaking to come up with a brand, to figure out the wholesale, the retail, the production, the customer service, you know, every single element of having a product going through all the approvals and finding the right suppliers. I mean, I'm sure I'm naming just a small part of it. There's so much more to it. No, those are some big ones that you're, you're touching on some very big, big pieces of work there. So to fuel doing all these things that may be challenging at times, there needs to be a serious connection to why you're doing it and serious, you know, someone might call it divine guidance or calling, how in your experience how do you feel that do you intuitively get business ideas do you feel them in your body do you receive them during meditation or what's your process of connecting to what the next action step is yeah i would say the most of my ideas come in in a variety of ways but during times of like silence and emptiness so that may take the form of meditation it may just be driving or, you know, being in the showers, you know, when a part of your mind is occupied, so the other mind can kind of run free or, or I would say probably most things come to me when I'm surfing, which is my big passion. You know, you're out there just floating in the waves, totally grounded in the water, so connected to nature. And it just opens your mind up in a really interesting way that for me, lets the creativity flow. And, you know, some things are about creativity in the business, but a lot of other stuff I find is just about you know, it's more straightforward, you know, big ideas come creatively, but then there is just the day-to-day sort of grind for lack of a better term. I mean, I love what I do, so I wouldn't call it a grind, but just the the routine tasks and, and the basics and the things that aren't really, you know, immersed in creativity. Um, 
are just the tasks. And those, I think, can become so arduous. And, and there's so many of them that, as you said, it's so important to be doing something that you're really passionate about, that you feel is a, a deep calling that inspires you, that you feel you're, you're helping other people, that you're having a beneficial impact on the world. And I'm so grateful to all of our customers for how much they share back with us the effect that our products have on their lives. You know, whether they have been trying to deal with like candida, for example, and been struggling because they crave chocolate or they really enjoy having a treat every now and then and haven't been able to, but now they can have chocolate or just, you know, the pleasures that it brings to them or the fact that they've gotten, you know, a family member who wasn't necessarily into healthy eating. They've been able to get them hooked on finally on something that's actually good for them. Hearing, you know, people's experiences and how it's shifted things in their own lives has been the biggest inspiration and driving force one could ever possibly ask for. So why chocolate, Sage? I first got exposed to raw cacao and, and this idea of chocolate as a health food when I was like 18 or 19 years old. And it caught my attention. To go a little bit further back, I had a really interesting upbringing. And this will set the stage for explaining kind of my entrance into the chocolate world a little bit more. So for anyone who's ever read Eat, Pray, Love, in that book, the woman goes off to India and, and spends time with this guru. And that guru is actually a real life person. Her name is Guru Mai Chifalasananda. And my parents were devotees of hers. And from before I was born, they ran a meditation center in our home. So every Thursday night, about 30 to 50 people would come over and there would be spiritual talks and chanting of Sanskrit mantras and, and then a group meditation at the end. So I had the incredible good fortune to grow up in this environment and be exposed to things like mantras and meditation and all of this and, and the metaphysical, as you say, from the beginning of my life. So I had a different childhood in the most extraordinary way. And then when I was a teenager, when I was 15, 16, my parents opened up a wellness center in our community. And they had these infrared jade massage beds and infrared saunas. And they kind of, after a little while, built like this little mini superfood store where they would sell, you know, all kinds of different superfood powders. And I had an uncle who was getting really into nutrition as well. And he kind of told me how he was putting this cacao powder in his smoothies. And so I was like, what cacao? I mean, like you're just having chocolate milk or what? I was confused. And so I started reading about it a little bit and was kind of blown away when I started coming across bits of information, like it's the highest natural source of magnesium and super high in chromium and zinc, and that it has all these really interesting neurotransmitter compounds in it, like serotonin, which is like the happiness chemical and phenethylamine, which is known as the love bliss chemical. So this was like one of my first superfoods that I was exposed to. And I just was blown away by, by the potential here. And as I was getting more and more into different aspects of, of health in, in my mid to late teens, I just started, I was inspired by the thought of the potential life that it could create for me in terms of if I can age at a slower pace and, you know, maybe live well beyond a hundred and, and age correspondingly slowly, what would that indicate for what I could do with my life? How could this maybe affect the things that I'm able to achieve and do and experience? And I saw cacao is a cool piece of this because it kind of acts as a, a gateway health food. Because for me at that time, I was so motivated that I didn't care how something tasted. If it was good for me, I would eat it or drink it. I just was in love with how good I was feeling from these new superfoods and, and other health foods that I was experiencing. And when I started want, trying to share this with other people with, you know, like some friends in high school and college, I ran into 
some trouble because they were interested in experiencing the benefits that I was getting, which was cool, but they couldn't handle the kind of flavors that I was trying to throw at them. And so I realized if I'm going to affect others with this in a positive way and be able to really have impact beyond just myself, I'm going to have to figure out a way to make these things taste good. And I saw chocolate as kind of this crossover of the worlds of foods that are really good for you and the world of foods that people are really hooked on and enjoy as treats and indulgences. So I said, okay, what if we can make like the ultimate chocolate? Because I, you know, I had been when I was younger on, on antibiotics for quite some time dealing with skin conditions that I didn't have the tools to deal with otherwise at the time or the knowledge. And I needed to go on a candida diet. I, I was, you know, having to do some real detox in that department. And so part of that was I had to get off sugar and there was not really a sugar-free raw chocolate out there. So I was like wanting to figure out some way to make this work because you got to be able to enjoy your life and enjoy your food till you can't still, you can't just, you know, long-term have a diet that's full of austerities and, and eliminating and cutting out. You got to have some joy in there. And I saw this as kind of a way for me and for others to really be super healthy and get this joy out of things that you eat. And so I worked on it. And, I, and I was, as I was kind of progressing in my health journey, I was getting more into studying traditional herbal systems of indigenous cultures. And I started incorporating these herbs in the chocolate because chocolate is it's a vasodilator, meaning it drives the herbs deeper into your system and increases absorption. And then it's also what's called an MAO inhibitor. And now MAO stands for monoamine oxidase, and it's a compound in the body that kind of acts like the bouncer in your system. When something comes in and it's been in your body for a certain amount of time, the monoamine oxidase says, okay, time to go. You're out of here. Move on out. Now, monoamine oxidase is like the manager of the club who recognizes you and knows you and appreciates the good work you're doing. And so the MAO inhibitors can say, it's all right, Mr. Bouncer. These guys are cool. They're here. They're good friends of mine. They're doing good stuff in the world. Let them hang out for a bit longer. So cacao actually allows these herbs to stay in your system for longer. Now, of course, that can be a problem if you're having conventional chocolate packed with rancid oils and white sugar and GMOs and things like that, because it's going to allow those things to stay in longer too. But if it's really clean and you're only sending in the purest and most potent ingredients with it, it's really one of the ultimate delivery systems for these herbs. Mm, okay. There's so many things I want to get into and unpack. But first of all, wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where the bouncer would let people into a club based on how good of stuff in the world they're doing? That was a great analogy for someone who grew up and going to a lot of clubs and not always being let in. I love that analogy. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a really interesting merit system. <laughs> so isn't MAO inhibitor, isn't it the same in chocolate as it is in many psychedelics? Yeah, well, maybe we'll have to start like a, an elixir bar one day where you, you get in, in in order based on the good stuff you're doing in the world. So that's like when you're dealing with ayahuasca, for example, like anyone who's just had, for example, DMT in, say, a smoked or vapor form, it, you know, it only doesn't last very long at all because you're not having the MAO inhibitor with it. And in, in, in the ayahuasca brew, there's a very potent MAO inhibitor that turns it into such an extended experience. Right. And that's why one of the most searched terms when it comes to cacao is, is cacao psychedelic? Yeah, it's like subtly, right? It does have effects. It's altering your state. It's changing your mood. It's, it's subtly altering perceptions. It's not overtly psychedelic in the way that other things may be. But in a sense, 
so many things are psychedelic in the sense that they can alter your perceptions of reality. Like you could say coffee psychedelic. You could say like a, a McDonald's hamburger is psychedelic because it numbs people or, you know, whatever it may be doing, but kind of everything's psychedelic. So you were talking about conventional chocolate versus the clean chocolate that you guys use in addictive wellness. And this is a topic I want to dive deeper into because I'm such a fan of ceremonial cacao. And I get a lot of questions about what makes ceremonial cacao different from non-ceremonial. And I was just having that conversation today. And really what it is, is the intention of with which it's grown, with which it is served, with which it is sold. And I'm curious when it comes to the chocolate you're speaking about, what are the difference between the conventional and the one that you use from sourcing to the ingredients? You know, what are people for someone who is just opening up to the world of cleaner chocolate and herbs and superfoods, or maybe to someone who has been already, but ready to learn more. How do you explain that difference? Yeah, there, that's a great question because there's so many different levels of quality and sourcing when it comes to cacao. And the first thing to understand is there's different strains of cacao commonly being grown today. There's the heirloom strain, which is the one that was created by nature, basically, which is called Ariba Nacional. And that's the one that you find in, in the jungles in South America, especially in places like Ecuador. And then you have other hybrids that were created by humans, not, not necessarily genetically modified in a lab, but crossbred to create these new strains. Two of the more common ones that have been around for a long time are Forestero and Trinitario. And these, in, in a big way, were hybridized to grow better in Africa, because as soon as Europeans got onto chocolate, you know, they needed a, a closer supply back hundreds of years ago. So they started figuring out how to grow it in Africa rather than have to transport it from South America or from, from Central America. And then there's something that was created more recently, just a couple decades ago, called CCN51. And this is another hybridized version that is a bit more of an intense hybrid, meaning it has been hybridized to uh, be resistant against certain kind of fungal issues that can attack some more of the, the heirloom cacao trees, which is fine. But it's also like this short, small tree that has been designed to grow in an open field rather than an actual rainforest environment. And people who really are specific about their chocolate flavors will tell you that the flavor of CCN 51 is basically acidic dirt. It has very poor flavor, but it produces cacao beans at four times the rate that you would get with another variety of crop. So you can imagine why in the conventional chocolate world, they've really jumped right onto this from a commercial perspective. And they just make sure they put enough sugar and added you know, artificial flavorings and things like that to cover up the flavor that really nobody would enjoy on its own. Now, the, the cacao we use is the one I mentioned at the beginning, the Aruba Nacional, the heirloom cacao that is only grown in an intact rainforest environment. And the reason that's so cool is you see so much these days about people in South America or more companies in South America burning down, cutting down the rainforest for commercial gain. What this is doing with the chocolate, because it can only grow in an intact rainforest environment, it's incentivizing the local people to be strong environmental stewards and take care of the rainforest because this premium cacao, which makes them more money than they would get growing a, a lower quality hybrid that sells for you know a fraction of the price, it's giving them a way to, to make money by 
taking care of their environment, which is is really cool, especially with everything that's going on these days. And when you have a, a cacao like this that's growing in volcanic soil, you're going to be getting something really different because you can plants can only pull out of the earth the variety of minerals that are there in the soil. If you have depleted soil that's only got 10 minerals in it, you're not going to be able to grow really magical things. Whereas if you have like volcanic soil where these minerals have been brought up from deep within the earth, you're going to have incredible mineral rich food growing there. And this is especially true with cacao. So for someone who walks into a store looking at chocolate labels, let's say there's no addictive wellness at that store yet, what should they be looking for? Does the sign fair trade, organic, do those indicate what strain that might be? Or do you have to dig deeper and look into the sourcing? You have to go a little deeper. And, and if we're not in that store, you can always call us and tell us you want us to get in that store and we can do our very best to make it happen. But yeah, fair trade is primarily an issue in Africa where, where slave labor becomes more of a big deal. In more in South America, where you're seeing these premium beans coming from, there's so much more margin involved. And the business people listening to this will understand what I mean by that. There's so much more margin at every scale of the operation. So people are making way above fair trade wages because th there's just more money flowing through. Um, but then with organic, that, that's positive. However, it doesn't indicate what strain. You can have organic CCN51 or organic Trinitario. It doesn't guarantee the strain. It's like if you, you know, think about tomatoes that you get when you go shopping. Like there's all kinds of different varieties. They can all be organic. Like you can have like a, a Roma tomato or a beefsteak or a cherry tomato, but the real magical ones you want to go for most of the time are those beautiful, colorful, delicious heirloom tomatoes, right? All the other ones can be organic, but they're not going to be quite as special as the heirloom. So it sounds like there is no system in place to really know the full story of where your cacao is sourced from. Is that right? There's no certifications to my knowledge. You, It's kind of a sense of you have to have, the, the companies will say what they're sourcing. Um, and if you have a, a strong sense of trust in them, then that's your, your best shot. So with all the chocolate knowledge you're dropping on us, have you, did you ever get into cacao ceremony? Um, I have, but not as extensively as you have, or some of your listeners may have. Um, but it's, yeah, something I have tremendous respect for. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, okay. It's not cacao ceremony. We know that you love surfing. I'm curious, you know, having grown up in a household that was all about meditation and consciousness, did you take in any of those practices into your life today as an entrepreneur, or did you write your own script from scratch? Kind of a combination. I kind of got pushed out into the world with some beautiful and, and wonderful lessons and teachings and upbringings, and then you pick up stuff as you go along. Certainly being exposed to meditation from the time I was a toddler had a, a huge impact on how easily it came to me and, and comes to me as an adult. And that's when you're an entrepreneur, being able to have a tool like that for like just the stress management side or, or just getting clear and, and letting ideas flow through you. It's such a powerful thing to be able to have. And, you know, the Sanskrit mantras have, have continued to be a huge part of my life and just have such a potent effect on me. And to connect what we were to what we were saying earlier about how everything is psychedelic. For me, Sanskrit mantras are psychedelic, like their ability to totally change my state to one of bliss and gratitude is 
tremendous. So that definitely, you know, came with me through my childhood. And, you know, my parents were just such beautiful and, and continue to be such beautiful and wonderful and heart-centered, loving people that I am tremendously fortunate because the traumas that so many people endure in their childhood at the hands of their parents, at the hands of others, just like through all sorts of life circumstances, especially from the ages of zero to seven, have such a powerful impact at affecting the way that they interact with the world for the rest of their lives. And certainly there's things you can do about addressing and and healing those traumas. There's many ways of going about that. And it's beautiful to see people doing that. But I had the tremendous fortune to really not have to even go through too much of that because my parents just created this most magical and loving environment for us growing up. You know, it's interesting. I find that I also often, like when I go into an intense personal development training and I hear people's stories of really intense childhood, I really feel for them. And I kind of feel almost bad, you know, like, what am I doing here if they're here to heal that? But at the same time, I really do believe that we all have so much work to do and there's always a space we we can expand to and become better humans and become more present, no matter what our childhood was like. Certainly. I couldn't agree more. And by no means did I mean to indicate that I have no room for improvement. I was very fortunate to kind of get the head start and not have some of these really horrific traumas that people have to deal with and deep emotional scars. Certainly I've had my stuff, you know, I've done work on myself from, from many levels, from doing an, uh, you know, an Aboriginal healing modality called holographic kinetics, which goes into your current and past life traumas to doing a good deal of neurofeedback, which is also really helpful for rewiring the brain to function in a more emotionally healthy way and also getting into old traumas as well. And whether you're doing these things to heal the traumas or whether you're doing it just to grow as a human and, and get more in touch with yourself and others and strengthen your ability for deep, beautiful, powerful human connection, it's all good. I mean, it's we're very fortunate to have so many tools available to us these days. Mm, it really is life-changing. I remember when I was a teenager growing up in Russia and whenever I would hear about anything that had to do with breath work or healing I was so into learning about all of it. I was so drawn into the world of it. And now it's literally everywhere and people from very young ages can dabble into it and learn and grow. You mentioned holographic kinetics. What is that? I'm so fascinated. And did I say it right? Yeah. So th that's something I'm not a practitioner in it. I've just done a good number of sessions with a good friend of mine, Ben, who has been practicing it for decades. And it is, it's an Aboriginal healing modality that it involves speaking directly to your spirit. It's, it's almost hypnotic in a sense, but people who are practitioners will tell you it's not. That's just kind of my best way of explaining it. And you are addressing spirit directly and asking where the trauma happened in terms of timeline, this life, past lives, what age, what the emotion was. And then the practitioner will tell you, like sort of command the memory to surface. And it's unbelievable how crystal clear things come back up. Things that I do know happened in this life, but other things from like early, early life that I maybe don't remember that much. Also like past life things that come up so clearly and it, they take you through a process of kind of healing these over, understanding what the emotions were that you're going through, why they were valid at the time, but why the programming that you've implemented because of those since 
is no longer serving you and, and kind of rewriting your, your timeline. And so that's something that I met my friend Ben when I was living in Australia back in 2011. And we're, we're still very close to this day. And so glad that I was able to experience that through him. And I always look forward to whenever we meet up again and, and have another go at it. That's so cool. And then you also mentioned mantras. I really find mantra repetition and chanting in a group setting, kirtan, really powerful as well, just expressing our voice in that way. I'm curious when you mention mantras and kirtan, are there any particular ones that you can share that people might look into and even take on? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So many. Um, Om Namah Shivaya is one of my, or the, the original and like most basic and, and favorites. Shri Ram, J Ram, Om Namo Bhagavate, Nityanandaya. There's, yeah, so many different mantras that, that resonate with different people. I mean, some people will love like Kali Durge Namo Nama. Uh, and it's kind of like, it, it depends. You go through stages and like, I'll go through different times in my life when different mantras and, and different, you know, Kirtan mantras will resonate with me more. And, you know, some will just like, you know, if I go to a, a Kirtan with, with people that I know, like some mantras, I'll just be kind of cruising along and it's great and I'm, it's wonderful. I'm glad to be a part of it. But others just like, I start crying because it's just like so deeply, something in that mantra is so deeply connecting to me and where I'm at and just busts me open. And it's great to experience like anything, you know, whether you're dealing with mantras or with herbs, it's great to kind of get to know a bunch of them and understand how they affect you. And you can tap into the right ones when the time's right. And how, how do you work with them? Do you repeat them out loud for a certain amount of time or in your head? Or how do you let them work with you? I don't have a regimented way of working with them. It's more like when, when I just feel called to really tap into that part of myself, I will you know, pull up on, on my phone or on my computer or when, you know, when I'm driving a soundtrack of that mantra and I will just, I'll chant along with it kind of in Kirtan style. And it gets me back in touch to my pure core self, gets me back in touch to who I was as a child, kind of brings out more compassion for myself in a lot of ways. And, you know, it, it gets me back to a place of looking at myself now through the eyes of myself as a kid, because that's when I first connected with these mantras and just kind of being okay with myself and where I'm at. And because, you know, these days we always want more, we want to be more, we want to have more, we want to achieve more, even, you know, we want to help more people, so many things. And they tend to lead me to a place of being okay with what it is and where I'm at. Such an important reminder. Yeah. And of course, the ultimate is when you're, when you're, you know, in person with people chanting the mantras, something about that and getting into that flow state and the effect that these mantras have on the molecules in your body and breathing together is so powerful. It's like chanting on my own with some music is great, but there's, you know, every so often I will have a, a live kirtan experience with other people that just it's transcendent, I think would be the word to use. Are experiences like that something you share in common with Ana Blanca? She comes from a different world. You know, she grew up in Hungary behind the Iron Curtain. So she grew up exposed to lots of really cool stuff. I mean, she grew up drinking kombucha and eating bee pollen and, you know, sitting under an infrared lamp that her dad would put her under when she had a headache. So she got, you know, exposed to lots of really cool stuff. Sanskrit mantras weren't really a big thing at the time, I suppose, in the countryside of Hungary. And so... It's something new to her, but it's something that, you know, she's, she has embraced and, and kind of jumped right into it. And yeah, she's, she's very beautifully open-minded to exploring things that 
she hasn't encountered before. And it's cool because she's discerning, like she'll figure out what works for her. She doesn't just automatically jump into everything just because somebody says it's good or you should do it. She'll, you know, take a look at it and, and taste it. And if she likes it, she'll go for it. But she doesn't ever just do something because she's, you know, pressured or told to do it. Speaking of tasting. So one of the things I want to get into is herbs and adaptogens herbs, adaptogens, elixirs, superfoods. Those are such buzzword right now. And people just tend to blindly, I think, assume that it's good for you. And I feel like there's so much science. I don't feel like it. I know there is so much science and thousands of years of empirical studies and research. I'm curious with, you know, your chocolate is very functional. There's lots of herbs in it. I actually gave some, a bar of addictive wellness to my acupuncturist here where I live. And he looked at it and he was like, whoa, these are some potent herbs. This is incredible. And that's a, that's such a big world on its own. What are your recommendations or something, you know, you could share with people in terms of how to approach taking the herbs so that we are more conscious about it, you know, because sometimes we might not even need them or do we need them all the time? What is your take on adaptogens? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different for each person, depending on their life, their metabolism, what's going on with their health. Adaptogens are a beautiful thing to be able to add to one's life because of, well, there's many individual properties about each one, but overall, because of their ability to modulate our stress response, because in our lives, for the most part, the external sources of stress are not diminishing. We're being, you know, more and more surrounded by technology, more and more surrounded by EMF coming 5G. We're, you know, more and more work obligations. Like as technology grows, the, you know, for most people that are working jobs for other people, the demands on you grow and your people are working longer and longer hours. So these outside sources of stress are not going away. Adaptogens have the ability to modulate our biology, modulate our nervous system, so we don't suffer the negative effects of these external stressors and, and can become more balanced in spite of all these things happening externally. Now, of course, there's so many, and it's sometimes hard to know where to start, but if you come across one that, that you've read about a little bit and you find is really interesting, you know, maybe you read about reishi or chaga or astragalus or Siberian ginseng, then it's great to, instead of like starting out by putting it in a smoothie or putting it in a dish with a ton of other things, putting it in some big fancy recipe, I always say it's nice to meet the herb one-on-one. -on -one. It's like if you're going on a date with somebody for the first time and want to, you want to get to know them. You're not going to go to a rave where there's thousands of other crazed people, you know, all drawing your attention away. You want to go somewhere quiet and personal and connect with them. And so the way I recommend doing this is, you know, if you have the herb, say in an extract powder, I would take like two to four ounces of hot water and add say a quarter teaspoon or half a teaspoon of the herb to the water, stir it in until it totally dissolves. And you want to do this on an empty stomach, find somewhere you can sit still, sit quietly and just sip this drink slowly and just be with it for 20 minutes for half an hour and pay attention to how it affects your mental state, how it affects your physiology, how it affects your nervous system and how you're feeling and the kind of thoughts that you're having. And that's such a nice way to meet an herb and kind of get to understand it. And after that, you can, you know, you can experiment and do different things with it. Put it in recipes, put it in elixirs, put it in smoothies, bake a, you know, bake a cake with it, go for it, put it in whatever you want. It's awesome. But it's great to meet it 
one-on-one like that. And then it's something that you know, and it's a tool that you're familiar with. And you, you know, from your reading and from your personal experience with it, you can understand what kind of role it's going to play in your life. You know, sometimes you go on a date with somebody for the first time and you say, I don't want to see you ever again. Sometimes you go on a date with somebody for the first time and you say, well, you're a really cool person. And I like you a lot, just not in that way. Let's be friends and we can, you know, see each other from time to time. And some people you say, wow, you're my life partner. I want to see you every single day for the rest of my life. So you'll get to know herbs and see what role they play in your life. And once you've gotten to know them, you may, you know, not feel the need to have a lot of them at one point, but maybe now that you have that experience imprinted on your nervous system, your health will shift in a way that two years from now, you'll start thinking about that herb more. And you'll say, oh, maybe it's time to, you know, go and revisit cordyceps because I feel like I you know, could use the, the adrenal support or I, I'm training for an athletic event and I would like to improve my oxygen utilization. So more oxygen is actually making it to my blood and brain and muscles so I can you know, maximize my physical performance. Or maybe you're studying to be a, a realtor or something like that. And you think back to Shizandra, which at the time you didn't re- really feel a call to, but now you remember how you read that there was a study in China where students, there's two groups of students, and one of them was drinking coffee during exams, and the other was drinking Shizandra tea, and the Shizandra students outperformed the coffee students because it helps with information retention. So it's great to experience all of them, or, or as many as you can, and kind of build your, your knowledge and awareness of them so that you kind of have them to go back to when the time is right, or maybe some you want to just have be a part of your life every day because they sync so naturally with you. I love so much everything you just said, Sage. I think it's such an important topic and such an important reminder that we can read all we want. We can follow anyone we want on Instagram and see what they're taking. But really the only way we can listen to doctors, to nutritionists, but really the only way to connect to what's working for us is to take a moment, be present, sit with it, tune into our body. But it's much harder to create this space and fully put your phone down, fully be in our bodies. Yeah. You'll get health benefits just by doing that. That'll be on top of the benefits of the actual herb. (laughs) Exactly. And it's so funny. You know, I went on the FAQ on your website and one of the questions is, does the energy chocolate cancel out the tranquility? (laughs) And, you know, my thought is like, (laughs) take them both and see how you feel. (laughs) Right. That's when we got asked a lot in the beginning. Right. The idea is that with the energy chocolate, these are not stimulating herbs. I'm not, you know, pumping you full of like yerba mate and coffee, which certainly have their place and their benefits. But the idea with the herbs that we use in the energy chocolate is they're improving your body's own natural energy production. So it's kind of like putting more money in your checking account. We're not forcing you to spend it as a stimulant like caffeine would. It's just there on tap for you to use as needed. So you're invigorated, but not stimulated. Then with the tranquility chocolate, we're not putting sedatives in here. You know, we're not putting sleeping pills crushed up and we're not putting like valerian. These are herbs that just help you feel a bit more peaceful and bring down the stress and help you be a little bit more unstimulated and just a bit more balanced and feeling just this inner peace. And so you bring these two together and then you simultaneously feel invigorated and peaceful. And to me, that's like really the optimal state. That's how cacao makes me feel in general. Oh, nice. That's wonderful. Yeah, because cacao, I mean, it's got a lot going on. It is a mild stimulant with a theobromine, but that doesn't affect your nervous system in the way that you would get with like caffeine. And then it's also got the things like serotonin and anandamide, the bliss chemical, and phenethylamine, the love bliss chemical, what gets secreted in your brain when you're in love. So yeah, cacao, it's, it's a blissful food. 
food of gods. Okay, so something else I want to ask you about is I noticed that on all of your packaging on your website, you're very vocal about being a conscious business that gives back. I'm curious what conscious entrepreneurship even means to you and what are some of those things that you give back to and how did you come to that? Yeah, I think conscious entrepreneurship starts with creating a product that's going to benefit everybody involved. It's like, you know, how doctors are supposed to say the first rule is is do no harm. It's questionable whether all doctors are abiding by that these days, but there are some wonderful doctors out there that are doing incredible good work in the world. You want to create products that are really benefiting everyone they're coming in contact with. And it also ties into how you're running your company, that you really want to make sure everybody involved with the business at all levels is benefiting from this and not just being paid hourly, but, you know, also learning about things and, and being opened up to these kind of ingredients and, and becoming healthier as they work with you. You know, some companies, you know, you hear about how like in the, in the tech industries in Silicon Valley, people will go and, and work for a company for a couple of years, but then get totally burnt out and have to take time off and then just go work for another company. It's kind of this seesaw effect. You know, in, in my vision, people, the longer they work for you, they should get healthier and healthier and healthier. And so that's a part of it as well. And then we donate 5% of our net profits to what we feel are some of the most effective environmental organizations. So one of my favorite ones is one that was created by Paul Stamets, who's one of my absolute heroes. He's a, a mycologist and absolute mushroom genius. And so he is doing these, I guess you could say in the final stages of research on mushroom products that can be given to bees to support their immune systems to withstand all the stuff that they're having to deal with from the pesticides to the mites that are killing off a lot of the bees. And so he's like, I think one of the greatest hopes that we have of saving the world. So I, I we donate to a, a couple of different organizations, but donating to him makes me the happiest. What's the name of his organization? It's Be Friendly, B-E-E space friendly. I'm a huge fan of him. And I think they, they run it through a local university there where they're doing the research. If you guys are not familiar with Paul Stamets, I highly recommend looking into him. Joe Rogan did a great podcast interview with Paul Stamets. And actually, I think Tim Ferriss did as well. All right. Yeah, he, he is just every time I hear him speak, he's, he's mind blowing, inspiring. And he's another great example of I would love to hear him on your podcast. He's like the ultimate conscious entrepreneur in, in terms of his origins and his intentions and his connection to nature. If you ever get him on, I need to make sure to listen to that episode. I think that would be an incredible episode. Seed planted. I'm going to make it happen. But first, I'm going to have Dr. Wow. Awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Love, 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 love those minds. Okay. So another thing I'm really curious to hear from you, Sage, is what role did social media play in your business's establishment? It's such a great time to be having a business because social media has created a tool where you can reach and interact with customers directly in a way that was never possible 20 or more years ago. Having this connection and this interaction, like in the past, you could put, you know, a TV ad on, or you could have like an ad in a newspaper or something like that. But it's not, it was not the two-way conversation. It was not this dynamic flowing and evolving thing that social media is. And I'm by no means a social media expert. I'm always trying to learn and to, to do better and, and grow and, and have a more positive effect on the people that we connect with there. But you know, we started social media doing everything right from the beginning of our business. And it was always okay, but it was a little bit of a challenge, a lot of work. 
And then we started doing a, a YouTube channel where we would do educational videos and get to go a little bit deeper on the topics that we, you know, would barely just scrape the surface of on Instagram posts and Facebook posts and things like that. And that has been so much fun. And we do recipes on there. And then that kind of evolved. That still goes on and we love doing that. But then I've also in the past couple of years started doing almost every day, extensive Q and A in Instagram stories where people will send in all kinds of questions, you know, most about health, but sometimes about business, sometimes about just asking how, what, you know, what I think about different stuff, but lots of it health related and connecting to herbs and supplements and, and dietary practices. And we have this amazing Q and A that goes on in our Instagram stories almost daily. And it's been great on so many levels. I have so much fun doing it. I think people are really benefiting from it, at least just going on the kind of messages they send, which are all very sweet and kind and I am so grateful for their gratitude. And it's been amazing to connect with people so directly. And it's been good for our business at the same time. You know, It's actually transformed our business from being dominantly wholesale and just a fraction of it was online to now we, we have most of our business is online ever since we've been doing this, which is obviously a lot more sustainable for a small business like us, especially when you're dealing with ingredients that are very expensive. So you don't have, you know, mega profit margins like some other companies have. It's so great to be able to have this direct connection. It's, it makes the business run a lot better. And just to be able to connect directly to people is, is such a blessing. That's so cool. I love that you have such an open channel of communication with your customers. I think people really sense that when it's really, you know, the person behind the brand is the one speaking and who cares about their customers. And your love for your customers is very, very palpable. Thank you. Yeah. And and to anybody who are the customers who are listening, thank you so much for, for all of your support. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Sage, so the last question I was going to ask you off the record, but then I thought, you know, there might if, if there's at least one more person that will benefit from this question, let me just ask it on air. So you mentioned that when you were younger, you had some skin conditions that you had to take medication for. I have had on and off acne since I was a teenager took hormones and other things and ended up choosing to just heal naturally, learn my cycle, learn to eat clean and sleep better, all these things. I'm curious if you have any advice or guidance for anyone curious about what was your way of finding balance with your skin. May I ask first how, how your skin is now that you've, you've done those things and kind of created a more balanced life and diet around it? It's nothing like it was when I was a teenager. It's mostly clear, but I still have flare-ups from time to time. And I've seen all kinds of functional medicine doctors and nutritionists and psychics. <laughs> and what it ends up being is I'm being told that that's just how my body communicates. And when something is a little bit off balance, that's just how my body shows it. Right. Yeah. So certainly everyone has their thing, which where when they go, you know, off the righteous path, something will, will flare up. And so for some people that will come for the skin, some people, you know, IBS, some people migraines, like everyone's got their, you know, canary in the coal mine that will show you when you need to be a little bit more careful. But yeah, so I definitely had a lot of discovery over the years of, of dealing with my skin. Really, it was probably in the beginning, I would have avoided things having to go on antibiotics entirely. If I had known to cut carbs from my diet or not cut, but moderate and, and moderate sugar. I grew up as a vegetarian, but not a healthy vegetarian by any means. It was kind of like basmati rice and tofu five nights a week. And 
than the one night of pizza and one night of like pasta or something like that. And it was just carb overload. And my parents did it with the, the best of intentions. And, you know, most of the food was organic. So that was wonderful. We weren't eating fast food, but it was very carb heavy, a, a fair amount of sugar as well through just like, you know, they, they would give us like a, a protein bar to take to school as a part of lunch. Cause you know, vegetarian, you're always worried about getting enough protein. And that you know, would have probably like 25 or 30 grams of sugar in it. And so had I sorted that part out, I probably learned a little bit more about how to take care of my skin as a teenager. I could have avoided this whole thing, but then I went on antibiotics and that made candida go really wild in my system as soon as I came off them. And for those who don't know, candida is a form of fungus that naturally exists in the body in, in very small amounts and is actually helpful for digestion and nutrient absorption. But after you've been on antibiotics, it can go into a stage of overgrowth where you have real fungal problems throughout your system. And I'll go briefly into it, but there, for those who want to go deeper, we have a whole like two hour video I did on our YouTube channel that goes like way, way deep into all candida approaches. But healing candida was a big part of it for me. And that usually takes between six months to two years, depending on how bad it is and how aggressively you go after it. But the, the basic pillars of that are eliminating sugar and carbs so that you're not feeding the candida and then taking really high quality probiotics that have proven survivability because not all probiotics actually survive digestion. So you want to make sure the ones that you're using can actually survive the digestive tract and set up shop in the gut where you want them. And then also eating probiotic foods, things like fermented vegetables and sauerkraut and kimchi and fermented coconut water, fermented coconut water kefir. And these are all reintroducing good bacteria into your system. And then of course, taking things that are going to be helping to kill off the candida, antifungals, things like powdiarco tea is a powerful one. Also medicinal mushrooms like reishi and chaga are very powerful at giving your immune system the tools that it needs to go after the candida and taking things like serapeptase, which dissolves the biofilms that candida can produce. And in fact, other things that also have that effect are xylitol and stevia. People think we just put those in our chocolate purely for the sweetening effect, but there's also ancillary benefits to those in terms of dissolving biofilms in the body, which is really cool. And you know, there's other things that do it as well. Uh, like berberine is another great supplement to take, which comes from Indian barberry. And for people who do with blood sugar issues, because that can also be blood sugar balance can be another causative factor in acne, because when your blood sugar is too high, you're going to be producing more sebum, which is going to put you at risk of having your pores get clogged. So dealing with blood sugar balance is another key component. Again, dietary approaches that are very helpful. And then berberine is probably the most effective herbal approach to that. It's actually shown to be just as effective, if not more effective than metformin, the diabetes drug. So that's, that's another side of it is dealing with blood sugar balance. And you can easily get for, you know, $10 a, a kit from the drugstore to test your fasting blood glucose in the mornings and kind of get an idea of, you know, am I below 90? Am I below 85 in that good range? Or am I getting up towards a hundred and maybe getting over a hundred where it's like, you know, pre-diabetes risk, it's, it's a good thing to be aware of. And for how little money it costs, it's definitely worthwhile to, from time to time, at least test your fasting blood glucose. And then with the skin, another thing that not many people know about is supplementing with vitamin B5. Now this is a water soluble vitamin. You can safely do relatively high doses of it. And when I was first getting onto it, I would do three grams a day with each meal. So a total of nine grams a day. And this helps with the breakdown of the oils. And so that they created a radical shift in my, the, what I was experiencing with my skin, which I was so grateful for. 
And eventually you don't need as much. You know, I, I worked my way down to, you know, three grams once a day. And now I just take it from time to time if, if things are getting worse or if, you know, if I haven't been sleeping as well or having extra stress or whatever it may be that can still cause, you know, things to go a little off. But that really helps with the lipid metabolism. And then having herbs in your system that are going to bring things into balance. So I mentioned reishi and chaga. Chaga was super powerful for me. These work really on the immune system and educating the immune system, giving it more tools to deal with. But chaga is very skin oriented in its antimicrobial, antibacterial, antiseptic nature. So that's a great one. You can take it in a tincture. You could take it in an extract powder. You could buy chaga chunks and, and brew a chaga tea. You don't just pour hot water over it and steep it. You really have to simmer it for three hours to crack open these hard cell walls. And then ideally you freeze it overnight because when you're, you crack the cell wall open and you can imagine you have the cell and the water now seeps into there. And if you freeze it, you're going to really expand that water inside the cell and blast it open. So you're getting the maximum amount of benefit and all these active compounds out of the chaga. And then you simmer it again the next morning on the stove to heat it back up again. And then you have like a really powerful chaga hot water extract that you can make for really not much money. And some other herbs, you know, that were really great were also schizandra and pearl. But of course you need to be aware of your hormone health. That's such a huge part of it. And I think you referenced that earlier to make sure you're doing everything to take care of your hormones dietarily, getting enough rest, maybe taking certain supplements like DIM or indole-3-carbinol or calcium deglucurate to detoxify, perhaps excess estrogens. And that's going to be unique to everyone. It's very worthwhile to talk to your doctor about having a full hormone panel and full thyroid panel done so you can get an idea of where you're at. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for dropping all this knowledge and the chaga. I love mushrooms and chaga and reishi. I didn't know those hacks for brewing them. So thank you for sharing that. And my pleasure. I'm going to drop the link to the YouTube video on to show notes on iTunes and on WokenWire.com if any of you guys want to go and watch the full video about candida. And also, disclaimer, reminder, this is not professional medical advice. Always listen to your body. Talk to your doctor. These are guidelines of what has worked for Sage and probably a lot other people. Yes, thank you for putting that in there. And I think sharing these things is extremely important because sometimes you just feel so lost because there's so much information out there. Yeah, it's great for just to know that there's options, there's tools, and these are kind of like clues to, to show you that there's there's pathways out there. And then, you know, with self-experimentation combined with proper medical guidance from a functional medicine doctor, hopefully you can make some, you know, people can make some real progress. So we covered so much good stuff. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you would like to share? Oh, you know, I thought of one more thing I wanted to share on the skin topic because we didn't talk about anything topical for it. Um, I really love making, doing clay masks and I love to do a base of that's split up between a teaspoon of Razul clay, a teaspoon of French green clay and a teaspoon of bentonite clay and then do a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar with that and put that on. And it really draws things out of the skin and brings a lot of circulation to the skin. So toxins can be carried away. Nutrients can be brought to the skin. And then following that up with like a really great rose water, witch hazel toner, which will help control excess sebum production. And then using some oils that are, are not going to be clogging the pores. Things like yojoba oil or tamanu oil or even argan oil can be a nice one. Because if, if you remove all the oils from your skin, as, as so many people, myself included, try to do in the beginning, thinking oh, there's too much oil, I got to get rid of it. Your skin responds by cranking up oil production because it thinks there's not enough now that you've taken it all away. So you want to use really high quality, non-comedogenic oils that are going to help your skin be healthy 
without clogging the pores. And non-comedogenic means don't use coconut oil if you have acne-prone skin. I've tried that. Don't do that. Yes. <laughs> and if you guys need recommendations, if you're listening, you're like, okay, I want to do all of this. I'm going to link to everything Sage is mentioning in the show notes as well. I'm going to be definitely trying all the climb masks. And I have some face oil recommendations. I've tried so many. So just DM me on Instagram. I'm happy to share that. So is there anything else, Sage? I think that's all. I feel very complete. Thank you so much. It's It's been a real pleasure. I feel very complete too. I feel filled up with so much awesome knowledge and your presence is very calming. And I really appreciate you taking the time to explain such a variety of important things as well as give us a glimpse into your entrepreneurial journey. And thank you for Ana Blanca for making it happen. And she really is a rock star. Yes. <laughs> And if you guys listening are inspired, moved by any part of this, I would love you to take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and tag at Woke and Wired and at Addictive Wellness. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message. Find all the show notes and all the resources on WokenWired.com and also join the WokenWired podcast listener Facebook group. It's a private group where you can connect with people who are like-minded and say hello on Instagram. Find me at Woke and Wired. Stay woke, stay wired, and take three deep breaths right now.